Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is another terrific topic, lead generation for consumer direct. And our expert, I'm excited to have Daniela Bengali on. Daniela is Senior Vice President, Head of Sales and Marketing at Homestead Funding Corp. Hi, Daniela. Hi, Pat. How are you? Good. Well, this is an exciting topic. I'm thrilled that you're going to share kind of the secrets of lead generation because if there's any topic that I get asked about a lot is that one. So, but before we kind of jump into it, let's talk about how you got into uh, the world of mortgage banking and managing. Well, sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on, Pat. I really appreciate it. And as far as getting involved in the mortgage banking, I think the first thing that comes to mind, and you've probably heard it before, is by accident. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that any, any of us fresh out of college are jumping into mortgage banking, but here I am almost 18 years later, 20 years later, and loving it, and I really enjoy the industry. Uh, fresh out of college, started as a financial advisor, got my Series 7, and I didn't enjoy it immediately. And so the following year, a friend, uh, I call it a lifeline at this point, I guess, offered a job in mortgages, and, and so here we are. You're right. I've heard that one many, many times. We all have the same story. So how did you get involved <laughs> with managing? Let's talk about that. So I really enjoyed bringing people along. I really enjoyed having people find success and being even just a small part of that. That was really enjoyable for me, and it was really great to be able to spend time with people and cultivating and be able to be a resource. And so it really happened organically. It was not a track I was necessarily set on. It just worked out that way, and it's been extremely rewarding and very enjoyable. Well, talk about your current position. A head of sales and marketing is a lot of responsibility. What type of challenges do you face in your current role? It's difficult, I would say, just trying to keep up with everything. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm either making sure that I am keeping up or being the Joneses in that, you know, looking at tech and process flows, ensuring the experience is uh, stellar, needing to be cutting edge, efficient, uh, user friendly, right, for both your sales team, your support team, and most importantly, the client. Uh, so, trying to wrap all of that up into a nice bow and having everything work well together certainly, you know, keeps your head spinning every day. <laughs> well, that's for sure. That's a lot on your plate for sure. So what has surprised you in 2021? I would say the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm sure you've probably heard this before too, Pat, is um, I've, I've heard of and lived through a number of seller's markets at this point. Uh, before, but this is unprecedented. Um, the lack of resale, lack of inventory on the market these days, these offers are well over asking, uh, buyers waiving appraisal and inspection contingencies. It is an unprecedented market, one really I, I have not been in before. Well, it's interesting you say that, Daniela, because I just saw where Zillow announced that 50% of sellers receive an offer within seven days. They get a signed contract. So that's just incredible. The market timing is, it's amazing the type of market that we're in. And, you know, you've lived through a number of sellers' markets before, but nothing like this. And this is just, it really is unprecedented. There's just not a better word. 
Right, yeah, for sure. So what about when you look at all these topics and all the changes, and you really already kind of mentioned it, how do you stay on top of everything? I think I have to give the credit here to, I'm very lucky, I have a very big team, and they're constantly reaching out and sourcing solutions, reading articles, viewing stats pulling reports and really filtering all of that information down to me. I would never be able to do it without, without them. And so I'm very fortunate in that uh, what I'm looking at at the end of the day is this distilled information and, and we collectively, you know, make great decisions based off of that. But I'm very fortunate. I have a wonderful team. Well, that's great. So that leads right into our topic for today, lead generation for the consumer direct model. Now, this is a topic we could go on for hours, but <laughs> if you have to talk about what do you see currently that works in lead generation when it comes to consumer direct? So I would say the biggest thing that comes to mind there, um, and I'll use a term, I guess, from my financial advisor days is asset allocation. You know, it's important to make sure you diversify as much as possible uh, where you're generating those leads. The more, the better. Uh, It's important to have a depth and variety there uh, because as one um, faucet might slow a little, another one picks up and it's just in my opinion, really great business to have uh, a, a large diversification when it comes to that. What type of things do you focus when you are looking to have diversified leads? Are you talking just about the vendor? Or are you talking about the types of leads? All of the above. You know, I think it's important that anybody looking to generate leads in Consumer Direct have a team that's looking at really anything and everything and then distilling that down to, okay, what, how many leads can we expect from this? What are some generic conversion numbers? How does that work for our team? Does it fit into my, that model? Or are you a boutique? Are you in, What type of model and what type of um, sales team do you have and what is going to play best? with the way that they do business and the way that they work as well. And so it's important, I think, to look at everything. There are times that I've looked at something on the surface and thought, I'm not sure if that would work. And then as I dive deeper, I think, oh, this is a great idea. We should we should give this a try. One of the things that we do, I think that works very well because you're not necessarily sure how well something's going to work until you try it out with your team, is we'll, we'll test things. We'll do it in smaller sets. And then as that becomes successful, then we'll open it up to more and more or we'll increase that faucet if we can, uh, if you will. And that's worked very well for us. So talk about specifically because there's certainly some people think direct mail um, works. Some people think rating, you know, being on the web works. How do you kind of piece that all together and what have you found in today's world of 2021? What is more effective? So I would say one of the things that we really want to be able to answer every time we're looking at something, Pat, is it's very important to us that we get in front of the client first. We don't, uh, we don't want to be just another internet bank. We want to be special. Uh, we want the cl- we want to cater to the client. We want them to have a wonderful experience. But it's very very important to get to the client first. And so when you're looking at sources, ensuring that you're checking that box right every time that you're that you're doing that. It's important when we look at at each source. We 
look at it separately. It's important that everybody has a business intelligence software so that they can look at each lead source and say, how is this converting? What is my cost per funded loan? What does that look like? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Let's make it bigger. Nope. We're spending too much money to be able to close a loan with this particular source. Okay. We're going to move on and try something else. But ensuring that you're testing that obviously long enough to be able to ascertain enough data to be able to make that decision intelligently as well. So we would look, we look at everything. We'll look at mail. We look at internet advertising. We look at paid search. We look at social media. We look at even just um, being out there organically, blog articles, trying to drive traffic to our website. We'll look at purchasing leads. We look at utilizing our CRM for previous clients and also getting referrals from people that are currently working with us. Um, so it's important, I think, to the wider net that you're casting in those senses and the more sources that you have, I think, are, are better. That's, that's the model that we go with anyway. So when you think about, in other words, a broad spectrum, is it possible that it's too many vehicles or is it out of the 10 vehicles you select three? Talk about how you evaluate, for instance, in the current month, are you using all of them or are you using only certain ones? So I would say, you know, uh, in full transparency, we have recently increased the number of our sources. You know, the market has shifted from 2020, uh, specifically if you're in consumer direct. And uh, so we have added sources uh, and more of them recently. So um, at any given time, I, I don't know that there's a particular number, but we are monitoring the conversion and so we will, if we're adding something, potentially uh, move away from something or archive it, maybe maybe a better word, for, for future use if we need it. But constantly trying to drive uh, quality uh, and, and quantity uh, for the leads that are coming in. So um, you definitely can have too many depending upon the size of your team because it is important to be able to get the feedback from your sales team. And it's also important to get the, the statistics right from your business intelligence to make sure that it's working. But you do want to make sure that you're utilizing a source long enough to be able to have all of those statistics. So, Daniela, when you're looking at conversions, what do you think is a, gr a good, I, I know it's all relative, but a good rule of thumb for what you would consider something worthwhile to pursue uh, versus, well, no, we're going to table that. It's just not worth it. So I, some of it is really kind of stems down to the cost for the fund, for the loan at the end of the day and how much you're spending in order to get closed loans from that, right? And so the lower, the better. <laughs> the, the lower, the better for sure. So uh, we, have a, we have a pretty wide range, but I think that actually ends up coming down to each particular organization. You know, what does the compensation plan look like? How sure. much does it cost your organization to manufacture that loan? And you put all of those things on a spreadsheet and you come up with a number and you obviously want to make sure that that number makes sense based on what you're spending to actually get that loan closed. So it probably would differ per organization, but those are the important things to look at. So Daniela, when you're evaluating the source, the vendors, isn't there a critical mass that you really, you do need to have with them to really have any type of, I guess, benefit versus doing one at one and two at another. Talk about that, the critical mass component. So I would say that when you're evaluating a lead source, 
you certainly, I think this goes back to what you were saying, Pat, about having too, too many. You want to make sure that um, whatever it is that you're looking at, you, you're going to procure enough of it that, again, it makes financial sense because that's, at the end of the day, really what it you know, comes down to in terms of for your sales team that you're providing them a lead source that has some quality with it and that they have the ability to convert and convert well. Um, and then how much of that do you need in order for it, for it to make sense? So there are so many sources out there at this point and so many things that people can be looking at. Uh, in order to diversify their portfolio a little bit, that it's possible to to bring on a vendor that you are just testing the waters with uh, initially and don't necessarily have to make a large commitment to to see if that's going to work. And then if it works, you you know dip in a little bit more. I think a lot of vendors are very savvy with the fact that as lenders now, we, we can't just jump all in. We want to, you know, dip our toe in a little bit and make sure that it's really the path that we want to go down. And they seem to be very flexible and willing to work with you. It's important they have good partnerships, too. Sure. So when you look at it, for those that are listening that are beginners, and of course, you're a veteran at lead generation and selection and evaluating and all of that, what would you suggest that you've learned from doing this now for so long that is the first step they should have in place. And then the second step, it sounds like, did you put the team together first or how did you do all this? Well, we were fortunate. Our um, consumer direct team is very seasoned. They're experts. Um, They understand that the most important piece uh, of a transaction is the client experience. Um, They're very good about follow-up and responsiveness. And they understand, you know, in consumer direct speed to contact is the most important uh, factor in terms of trying to to convert uh, a lead. And so they are aware of all of that. So in my world, I had a wonderful team to work with already. And then it was just a matter of finding uh, the right vendors to match up as partners with our team to be able to have that conversion. It's a little bit harder probably if you're starting out, but you probably need to do them in tandem in order to to ramp up while you're adding people uh, to your team so that you're not unbalanced. And, and I don't imagine it's very easy, and it does definitely takes a lot of strategical thinking. So how did you become a search engine guru? In other words, how, how would you suggest what were the steps that you did that helped you? Because you were obviously a mortgage banker. You moved into this role. So how did that all work for you? So, again, I think I'd have to go back to my team here. The, our organization has been around for 30 years. Uh, we've been self-generated for you know probably the first 20 four of those years and then moved into the consumer direct space and surrounding yourself with the right people is super important. I was not a digital marketing specialist. I was not uh, someone who necessarily was an expert in Google paid search or, you know, even internet lead sources or rate tables or any of those things. But I think uh, immersing yourself in that as much as possible. And then more importantly, making sure you're putting people on your team and adding people to your team that do have this expertise really helps, you know, change that, that ramp up time or, you know, the, um, the curve for yourself. So it's, very important to make sure that you have great team members that have your same vision, same mission, same thought process, and and are out there helping you every day. 
So, Daniela, did you go outside to find these experts, or was this something that you had the talent already inside? In many cases, we have been able to add people to the team that had, you know, degrees in digital marketing, and really, they were experts in those fields. So, you may have the talent already. Sometimes, you you may not know whether or not you have that talent already in-house. For us, we, we added some of that talent. Was that hard for you to do? Did it take you a long time to recruit? Uh, in other words, what process did you go through to find these types of people? Yeah, we have, have a number of, we have some internal recruiters and we have even external recruiters that help us be able to fill those gaps when we have gaps like that. And that's, very, that's been very helpful. Well, that's terrific. Well, time has flown by. We could go on for hours about this topic. So if you had to summarize for takeaways today, what would you say to our listeners? I would say that if you're looking to get into Consumer Direct, I think a couple of things to really consider is making sure that you get in front of the client first, that your team um, is well aware and believes in the same mission and the same process that you do as an organization, and they understand that speed to contact is very important, and that you spend the time uh, vetting vendors, even vendors that you think may or that may not necessarily fit on the surface, making sure that you're doing that deep dive with those vendors and providing uh, yourself a checklist, if you will, of what are the things that are important and what are the things that you think would be a good fit for your organization and then seeing if those vendors meet exactly what it is that you're looking for and not being scared to try something that's a little bit different. Daniela, thanks so much and thanks everyone for listening. We are really grateful for you spending time with us today. Thanks again, Daniela. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at pshirlock at qfsconsulting.com.